Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. Uh, this is fun, and uh, uh, we, uh, time permitting, might, might allow for a few of the orange box questions, but uh, you know, the day in the life of a top producer, without question, um, if you're going to scale your business and you're going to do more, you have to be able to know what does a productive day look like. And so in talking with these guys and really looking to the marketplace about, um, you know, what are some of the interesting ways in which people do this, uh, we decided these three guys could really lay out some serious things for you guys to take away and uh, make an impact in your business. So I'm going to start, uh, I was going to start with Brandon, but let's go, yeah, I'll just start with Brandon. Brandon, you're super high volume, producing branch manager. Uh, you guys are going to close $600 million this year with 14 LOs, average of $42 million per year per LO. Sounds like a dialed-in system, if you ask me. It's working pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they're all incredibly talented, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have each of them with me. But um, I also do my own production, and uh, it's, it's always juggling the two that's, that's kind of the, the key for me. So. so you're a producing branch manager, and it is a juggle, right, between how do you covet your own time and how do you get your own volume done. You're at 153 loans year-to-date through uh, September personally, or October personally, 62 million. The whole team is doing 600 million. Mm-hmm. What are some of your, uh, what are your secrets? If there are, um, one thing I wrote down from our conversation is you use this word buffer mm-hmm. two or three different times. So what are buffers? How do you execute on buffers and building your day that way? Um, the first one is, I think it's incredibly important that you set boundaries and proper expectations with your clients, with my loan officers, with my team, um, mainly with clients. Um, we have to stay in front of everything they're going to need. We don't know when the next phone call is coming. Hopefully there's another phone call coming. But um, So I need to have time to make sure that happens. And the way I do it is I pay attention to what my end goal is, which every day is to get home by six. And, um, and with loans, it's, okay, we're closing on this date. And then I back into it. And I figure out what our turn times are. Um, when we can get the appraisal, and, and I push back when people are making offers. They'll say, how fast can you close? I'll say, well, how much time can you give me? And that's kind of my first question, and I'll tell them what's going on in our market and why we may or may not need more or less time, and ultimately, we'll do whatever it takes to make it happen, but we try and get as much time as possible. So, so buffers, boundaries, right? Boundaries, yeah. And um, when we talk about time blocking and we talk mm-hmm. about creating order in the day, um, a boundary is a time frame in which you do something, you have a start time and you have an end time, and that's a strong boundary, it's not a soft boundary, and when you have a strong boundary, then you get more done within that time frame. So as a personal producer, you, I guess, are, are making your own boundaries for your personal book of business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're getting home at six o'clock, mm-hmm. you know, which you work back in the day to make that happen. You know close of escrow, you work back that way. So what, how do you buffer your day? I, I'm interested for any of the top producers in the room that are managers that are producing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do to get Brandon's business done and what does that look like? And then when do you make time and how do you make time for the other people in the branch? Mm-hmm. 
Well, one of the things I always tell my loan officers is that don't get customer service confused with being accommodating because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll let the client drive the timelines because they really want to become close to these people and becoming friends and being in these people's lives is one of the best things that we get to do, but they're not going to want to be your friend if you don't actually do what they called you for in the first place, which is close their loan on time. So making sure that you keep those people on task, knowing that you're the expert and that regardless of how impressive or interesting these clients are, and a lot of them are amazing, um, you still need to teach them how to do a loan. So, so, so uh, what does that look like? So, so first of all, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. Don't mess up accommodation with, with mm -hmm. great service. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to I get to the absolute nitty-gritty mm -hmm. of time blocking. So I get what you just said, but how do you balance your personal time and the need of 14 loan officers so you can get it done mm -hmm. with buffers being the theme? The main thing that I do with my loan officers is I go to them first. And I try to do the same thing with all my referral partners. I try to call them first because usually, a lot of times, people will have something that they want to tell you, but they just haven't gotten around to telling you yet. So I need to steal that moment so that I can do it on my time rather than waiting for them to call me when their file's on fire and we got to rush it through underwriting. Whereas if I just stop by their office and check in, see how everything's going, they'll be like, oh, I've got this this issue with this appraisal and so on and so forth and, and then we'll, we'll get in front of it. And by doing so, we can manage it correctly. Um, same okay, so, so I want, I'm gonna pause Brandon because that was what I was looking for. The, the answer, really the answer, if it comes down to one thing that allows you to be an effective producing branch manager um, and you know, do your own business and that of the teams is this idea of being uber pro proactive with the team. And so getting in front is a decision that you have made. So you're connecting with every LO every day, um, probably earlier in the day as we discussed, and just mapping out what their day is gonna look like. Is there anything they're gonna need you for? It's, a, it's probably a short conversation, right? Just a quick huddle. Very, very brief. Okay, so this is, I think to me this is important because as a producing branch manager, if you do not have this <clears throat> get in front mentality and you don't have the attitude of, if I don't get in front and, and see where the LO needs my help, then the LO is going to need my help at the back end, which can be that day, it can be that week, it can be... So everything can be solved in the area of productivity with personal commitments to proactivity, mm -hmm. which is the get in front. And so as you said, it's key to, to get in front with the client. You know, the more you do up front, the more you do, you know, intentionally, the, the less reactivity you have. So the get in front is the, the huge, huge takeaway. What are some of the other tips and tricks that with you, you having 14 LOs, um, what are some of the other tricks that, that you have? Because that is arguably, I, I just visualize a high performance branch manager and 14 high performance LOs. Obviously, you probably have less of the, the, the necessary, um, I probably shouldn't say this word, but I'm going to babysitting going on because you have responsible LOs, $42 million each. Yep. But there still has to be some things that, that maybe you've learned or some, some tricks you put into play that really help you guys be super productive? Um, they definitely throw their tantrums, for sure. Um, but most of them are pretty good about it. And <laughs> I would say the best thing that we do is at the end of the day, every single day, we send my processor our daily priority list for the next day. Mm -hmm. And so we'll send her our top five files based on whatever has changed today versus yesterday. So she has 
her own list that she's working off of, but her information's not current anymore, and then we'll confirm it with her in the morning. And originally when I came up with this, she was super annoyed with me, thought I was micromanaging her, <laughs> and I w it actually was the complete opposite. I was like, no, 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 I actually don't want to micromanage you. I don't want you working on files that something's changed. That's not our most important loan right now. We've got new information. We need to get this done. These people are in a super competitive offer situation. We got to get it in. You know, so making sure that we do that every single day, eliminate. And volume levels are high right now. We don't have time to waste on loans that might not be happening yet. So um, that's a big one. Um, another non-negotiable thing that we do is we religiously have our pipeline meeting every single week with our processor. And, and I sit in on a lot of the pipeline meetings with my loan officers too, and we'll solve issues that haven't come up yet just by putting my experience in the same room, their experience, you know, what they know about these clients, the processors in there, and we just kind of brainstorm. And a lot of times it's check, 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 good, good. You know, and then you'll go over one that's a little yeah. more dicey and, and staying in front of it. So, so I, I think these two things are, are money ball things. Uh, one, the idea of letting your teams know, because you're on the street, you know what's happening, what loans are a priority, setting the hook for that the day before, being totally proactive about what you want to achieve. I think that is game changing. And I think it focuses processing, it focuses behavior, it focuses outcome. And that sets the stage then because most of us don't have that kind of concentrated focus the day before. And if you have the day before mentality, that's huge. Now, can you modify that? Uh, yeah, we did an interview with uh, RJ who got the Lifetime uh, Master Achievement Award and they, they huddle every morning and then they huddle every afternoon and then you know Monday afternoon at 2.30 or so they run a complete pipeline report and by five that day every agent involved in every transaction has that update. These are the kind of things that if you're managing a team you have to put into play. Yep. And so th that to me is, is huge. Uh, the other thing that is huge about that is the deliverable there's a lot of wasted time on a lot of files that don't need the time spent on it right now. And so you've got to focus your time where the energy is going to have the highest ROI and they are the deals that are moving you know, closer to close of escrow, the deals that might need a little massaging, the deals that might have a little hiccup, you know, speed bump or something like that. So you guys, you guys are the drivers on that. Uh, one more thing you said on the phone, and I wanted you to end with this, but you, uh, I wanted you to explain your comment about stealing moments from the future. Yeah, so nobody's going to manage my schedule for me. I mean, I try to get my assistant to help with that, and it works sometimes. But um, clients, we're in an incredibly random business, and clients will call you throughout the course of the day. I need to be able to take those calls or have them come in and meet with me at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Um, also, I need to have time for one of my loan officer's files that might get a little hairy. And so I wake up early. I read a bunch of different articles in our local business journal and other local publications and national stuff and then I've got my talking points for the day and get in review reports and after that I do email in between all of the other things I'm doing so I go around I, I make my rounds with my loan officers we, we joke around um, they know I'm here they know my schedule for the day they know when they can get in touch with me and if they don't come during those times you know then I can't I mean, I'll, I'll still help them, but I mean, I, I'm okay, probably so going to be doing just, something else. Just, I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, mm -hmm. your team knows your schedule. Mm -hmm. They know when they can see you mm -hmm. and when they can't. Mm -hmm. 
and you just said, just so I'm clear on the record, that if they try to see you in a time that's not part of the future that you have stolen the moment from and mm -hmm. inked in stone, you don't cave on that, right? Um, I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. I mean, I, I may cave if it's depending upon how. But most it is. of the time, but, yeah. most of the time, they honor that. Yeah, that's the point do. I want to make. They're good about it. I mean, they know that. I've worked with these people a long time. Yeah. I, I, I was a producer with them for a very long time, and they've seen me come up in the business, so they know that I know what I'm doing, and they know that I'm there for them, and they know that I care, you know, more than anybody that that they know. So, and that's really one of the most important things for me is they care about what we do. I care about what they do, and we have an amazing group of people that are all looking out for each other that way. So, Thanks. Uh, yeah. I, I want you guys to be thinking about messaging the people on your team in terms of your availability, because the only alternative to having some kind of um, preordained blocks of time in which you allocate personal one-on-one -on -one coaching mm -hmm. whatnot is that they come to you on their schedule. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about productivity is that you have to control your schedule. If you don't control your schedule, people will see you on their schedule, and that is the start of the fall in productivity. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Give Brandon a big round of applause. Thank you, buddy. So, Taylor, welcome. Good to have you here. And uh, I wrote down this first question because I loved it on our call. What is a ticket to admission, and how do you stand behind that, and what impact does it have on your daily life balance? So every time I come to Mastery, I realize all the things that I don't do. Um, I, <laughs> I consider myself pretty simplistic in my business approach, but the ticket to admission is um, I only talk to the borrower once they've completed their online application and submitted all requested documents. Um, it's a way for me to manage my time and know that when I go to look at that file, I'm looking at everything there. Um, my business approach is to strictly purchase business, so this correlates with everything that I need to do in writing what I consider a bulletproof pre-approval. All right, so just, just stop for a sec. So this is like one of those moves that is game-changing, I think. Your personal, personal standard is you don't meet or talk with the client until you have everything you need. Yeah, I start with a phone conversation. Yeah. I let them know that I'll be sending an email. Inside the email has a list of the documents that I'll need. Click on a link to complete an application and that's step one. Okay, so what happens if in a day or two or three it's not done? What do you do? It's a follow-up email or phone call, depending on what day it is and how many times I followed up. But I'm following up on that email, so the follow-up is pertaining to that email asking for those items. Um, I don't deviate. I, I, when I'm having that conversation, I'm setting the expectation. I don't do um, hypothetical scenarios. I don't do what-ifs. Um, I don't estimate. I will only give you the information on provided what you provided me. Okay. So... Um how would, you, how would you characterize how that has impacted your business? And uh, I know you have a very well-run kind of practice. It's, it's imperative to me. Um, you know, it's the amount of time that you spend trying to track down the things that you need in order to tell the person that is telling you that they want to qualify is, is crazy. Um, and so I kind of just got over having to make a dozen <laughs> phone calls to get the same documentation. So from a time standpoint, it's very efficient, but it's also efficient for the borrower. 
because one of the biggest complaints that we always hear is that they're always having to resend documentation or that more documentation is being asked for. Um, my list is standard, so it, you know I'm typically asking for more than I need up front to avoid having to go back and get something further down the line. So how do you package ticket to admission? How do you use that in a dialogue? You know, I say that, it, don't get me wrong, I do have a very good upfront conversation. You know, yeah. I'm answering yeah. questions. I just won't answer questions pertaining to the pre-approval. I don't call it the ticket to admission when I'm, when I'm telling them yeah. that's kind of an internal, internal thing that yeah. we use, but I let them know that I'm not able to work on their file until all items have been returned to me. And, you know, I, I do leave it at that. And I, I'm very strict on that policy. So I, I think it would be kind of huge for everybody in the audience to just continue to track how much time you spend tracking stuff down and how much time that you could save for productivity if you had a different front end kind of filter. It doesn't sound like it's negative. It doesn't sound like it's punitive. It doesn't sound like it's argumentative. It just sounds like you're a professional and if I'm gonna do the best job that I can for you, you have to do the best job you can do for you, giving me what I need to help you fully analyze the opportunities. That's your stance. Correct. Okay, so then what has that, how has that played out for you um, once they comply with all that? What does the business look like? How, how much more efficient is it and what are some of the benefits? It's very fluent. You know, I, I'm able to then, once I have everything, lay out the options, go over their qualifications, try to meet their needs with specific programs. It, it's more efficient for them as well. Um, it, it works great for me. Um, I, I, again, I don't stray from it, so it's, it's, it's been monumental in helping me achieve bigger numbers. So what does it lead to in terms of like percentages of, of leads that, that convert to approvals? Do you have a thought around that? And, and what's your, kind of what's your, once they're approved, what's your closing I'm rate? I'm scared to go to percentages on the stage with you. Um, I don't have those numbers and so I Thank don't Thank you for guess. being honest and I'm sorry um, I asked that. I know it wasn't <laughs> on our plan and uh, good, but it's, it, you've seen a difference, I would guess, if you could just comment to that. Well, you know, it allows me to be able to, to manage the client. So by, have every, by having everything, they may not qualify today, but I know how to put them on a plan to qualify. I'm not spending as much time with people that don't qualify because I'm focusing on people that do qualify because I have it there. Okay. And so how many, um, uh, and, until they comply to qualify, um, how many systematic calls do you, do you have and how long do you follow up? So mine is... Five, five follow-ups, so depending on, like I said, what day I'm following up, I either call or I email, but after five, um, they're in a CRM, they're getting dripped on, and, okay. um, but that is, after five, I don't really think they're that serious. You know, if you can't get me your documentation with five requests, it's probably time for both of us to move on. Okay, good. Um, here's something else I wrote down. You only work with the top 20 agents in your market. You get most of your business, I wrote down, from three. So what impact does this have on your daily experience, the day in the life of, of Taylor, and what are some tips you can share for anybody to get more done in less time and get more business from less people? So I think it's important to say all my business is referral business from realtors. I don't work CPAs, I only work realtors. And you know, when I wanted to start really in producing bigger numbers and doing more things, I started looking at, you know, I'm very analytical. I pull all the numbers in my marketplace. I know every single transaction done. I know what every agent does. Point of my story is, is that I think that there's this, when loan officers go to improve their business, they look at the middle grade realtors because those are the easiest to call on. Someone that does 12 to 15 deals 
isn't going to be as intimidating as a person that does 150 deals. And so, you know, I basically just said that I was going to do it and I went after only the top 20 in my market. It's very difficult because those people don't want to go to lunch. They don't want a meeting, you know, so breaking that market is very hard. But it, it's, it's very exciting because when you do break in and you do get that relationship, you're getting a very, very fruitful relationship. So what are some of the things that, that you've done maybe just because uh, you're right? I mean, they, they, they probably already have a lender partnership or a relationship. Um, they are intimidating to a loan officer that's not prepared and doesn't have his or her value proposition really figured out. Um, nice shoes. Thank you. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> how, how, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to set that. No, it's okay. Let's see, Brandon, yeah, Brian, yeah, yeah, nice shoes, Taylor. <clears throat> um, what, what, uh, what, what did you start, how did you start to realize the, the power of what you just said? And then how do you, how have you cracked the code to get the, the best? I'm an obnoxious dripper. I'm always the first to give, you know, I, I, I'm typically not starting with a phone call. My kind of claim to fame is I have a, you know, I'm usually on a book campaign. So depending on what book I have, handwritten note, and I just send it. When I send it, I'm not asking for a meeting. I'm, I'm simply sending it as a gift. Um, when I get the response, depending on what that response says, that kind of either opens the door for me or closes the door. And so I'm looking for obviously an open door. Yeah. If I feel like there's, there's a good chance to go in, then I'll go in for a meeting. But for the most part, I, I'm constantly dripping. Um, I think that the irony in this business is to be extremely successful, you have to get extremely successful people to buy into what you're doing. And that's very hard. And once you get one high-end producer to buy into what you're doing, then you have clout and you have stability and more and more people believe in you. And so, you know, that has always been my goal is to get more of those people on my team. So one, one thing I would say is that, that a mind shift that could occur for you is if you start thinking about yourself actually as... Um, you know, let's, let's take a branch manager, for example, and you start thinking of yourself as, as an LO, you're thinking as you're, you're now a sales manager, right? And you have to attract people into your book of business that are going to help you build sales for your organization. And so when you understand what Brandon just said, it's awfully easy to talk to the, to the people that are in kind of the middle of the bell curve, right? Because they're not as intimidating, they're not doing as much volume, and probably a little bit easier to, to get an appointment with, a little bit easier to, you know, crack the code and, and, and sit down and talk to those people. And there's nothing wrong with sitting down with somebody that's in the middle of the bell curve um, as long as they want to become great. And I think that's important to note. But as you then narrow your focus on the top 25, 20, 10, 15%, you are in rarefied air, right? There, there's not many of your competitors that wake up every day saying, I can't wait to approach the top 20 realtors in my market. Um, and if you can figure that piece out and you can do that, then you get a leg up on everybody. Here's the coolest thing about what Brandon has done. The more you work with agents that are high performers, the more high performers you will attract. And that's what you have found out. If you are working with low performers, you attract low performers. If you are, as you said, as soon as I got one, 
then it opened the gateway, right? right. So I think that's powerful. And uh, I guess I'd be remiss in not asking that once you have the top producers, what are some of the things that you do just to keep the relationship alive beyond just dripping? So, so I have touches. Um, one more point to that too is, yeah, yeah. is by dripping on them all the time, they may not be working with me, but my offers get accepted. They know who I am. And so I think it's equally important that that is part of my goal too, is that they know who I am. And so yeah. as far as staying in touch with them, I do continue to drip. Um, my office is is very much known for hosting great events. And so we typically have somebody in once every three months. But, um, you know, I, I wish that I had a better answer for that. I don't. Um, they really just want me to keep closing their loans more than they want to hang out with me. So I don't think there's a secret answer I was looking for. I think simplicity is the idea here. And what you've proven is engage, stay in touch, have the right producers, celebrate success, and big things happen. Um, you do know we have a new book out because I know you like sending books yes. out. So um, if you want us to personalize those for whomever for sure. you'd like to send that to, we'd be happy to do that. <laughs> he, he brought it up. I didn't bring it up. So <laughs> awesome. Let's give Taylor a big round of applause. So we are going to finish with uh, my good friend, Brian Frazier. Brian and I have known each other for a while, and he is in his second year of Elite. And um, I just want you to start off first, Brian, by just describing the impact uh, uh, on, of what Elite has meant to you and, and kind of, you know, what it's done for you in your life and your business. Yeah, so I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell you guys a story. So 2014 was my first year of Sales Mastery. Um, came out, and I'm sure like a lot of you, my book was filled. I mean, I had so much information. And he had this thing called Masterclass Elite. And... At that time, I knew I needed help. I needed some sort of coaching. I needed something. And there was a very specific metric that you had to hit. You had to apply for it. So I wanted to apply. But I wanted to apply more so because I wanted to be accepted. Am I good enough to be a part of the group? So I apply. I get the response back that you're accepted. And then the fear set in, right? The fear is, am I really good enough to be a part of this group? I mean, Marty Preston, RJ Crosby, Ryan Grant. I mean, these are the guys that are in this group. So I remember the call you called and said, I, I was sitting in front of my escrow office. I was meeting some clients there. And you called me at that point and said, we need to meet. We want you to be a part of this group. So the fear of being part of something bigger paled into comparison to the biggest fear. Biggest fear was tell my wife how much money I was going to spend on this. I knew it was an investment, but when I told her about that, she said, what? Um, so first year uh, was incredible. I think I probably spent the first few months almost in awe, um, not doing quite as much implementation. We talked a lot about that. So I just start chunking things down and get much better at just taking one thing at a time, getting that implemented and, and moving on. Um, the other thing that you said at that time was um, we're only allowed to work 10 months out of the year. And May 29th of 2013 um, had my little baby girl. And I knew that this was going to be our last child, and I wanted to focus on them. So that was a huge part for me with Elite was that I had to get super efficient with everything that I did because I didn't want to miss 
anything in her life, and, and those of you who have kids know how fast time flies. Um, she's already over three now, she's in dance class, and all those kinds of things, and I'm not gonna miss those events. It's just not gonna happen, um, unless I'm at Sales Mastery, so. Uh, so first year in uh, Elite, I took my income up by 42% uh, that first year. When I went to sign up for the second year and went to my wife, she wrote the check. Um, so right that, was, that was pretty exciting. So um, this year I'll be up uh, an additional 36%, so pretty close from the start to now, I will have nearly doubled my income during that time. That's so, awesome, yeah. that's awesome. Good, 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 it's good to have you. Um, one thing that you have taken away from this and uh, one thing I want you to share is you are crystal clear on the power of planning. And I want you to walk people through not only the lifestyle element of planning, but the business element of planning that you've taken away from Elite. And what are you doing and what's your approach and uh, how do you execute on that? Yeah, so, so a lot like Brandon, I, I manage loan officers. Um, and one of the things that we learned right at the very beginning is, is that we've got to have short-term insane focus. Um, and we, obviously the theme of this is, is all about focus. So I, I really took that to heart um, and really came up with a game plan where I knew and could easily tell what I was going to be doing each and every day. Um, that actually started um, for me for 2017 about two months ago. So I've got an Excel spreadsheet that's my year-long calendar. It's one page, you can see the big rocks, so that I can plug in the things that are big. So we've got Elite this year. I know the events that I'm gonna be plugging into my calendar at that point. Um, so that I can start with the year, my vacations, my time off, the things that really matter, the big rocks I start. Um, and then every single day that I go through, I have my calendar completely time blocked, and it looks like a rainbow. So as I get into the, the beginning of every month, I have my calendar completely, for the most part, drawn out with the big things, right? Um, and then every single week, I am now breaking those things down so that I really know that I'm focusing on the activities that I need to, both you know, the, the personal things where I need to, take time away to really work on my business and stop working in my business. Um, and then I've got it all color coded. And, and so when people look at my calendar, they go, you know, it, it looks to them like there's all kinds of chaos going on with it, but I do it very systematically. So number one is my red items. Um, with us in Elite, we need to be out of our email was kind of one of the things at the very beginning. So I don't live in my email, but I've got a red block for the times during the day where I'm working on that stuff that doesn't do me any good. Email, working on files, those types of things is, are always red. The next one is orange. Orange is everything that is management-related meetings. So if I'm meeting with, you know, we've got our monthly manager meetings or we've got um, a, an elite event, I would uh, consider an orange event. It's something that I need to do, I need to be a part of, I'm gonna get a lot out of, but I need to be aware that I can't spend all my time in orange. Yellow is big, um, more customer or realtor facing things that are not individual face-to-face -face real sales activity. And I think you guys need to be very, very aware of this because I hear my loan officers say, hey, I'm 
out doing sales activities and they're going to broker caravan. Um, broker caravan does not qualify as a sales activity. It's a facing activity, but you're not doing anything to sell. That's yellow. Yes, you need to do it, but you need to not fill your calendar with broker caravans every single day because you're not going to get any work done. Then the green. The green, I need to see more of that in my calendar every single day than anything else because that's my jam sessions, that's my non-negotiable daily disciplines, my really being involved with my clients, my phone calls with them, my high trust interviews with them, as well as with my agents and, and really staying in front of them. That is my sales activity. And then what I do with my personal stuff is personal things that go during the day are purple. This would be like a doctor appointment. Thankfully, I don't have to go to a hairdresser, as you can see, um, so that's not an issue for me. But anything that's in the day that I have to do personal uh, that is not fun, per se, is purple. Um, everything that I do that's personal during the day that I want to is blue. Going to my daughter's dance class, going to my son's baseball practice, that's blue. That's something that's really important that I need to be there. Uh, my flying lessons now are, are part of my blue calendar. So, uh, But I can look, if I get a call today and somebody wants to schedule a meeting with me on Thursday of next week, I can click on my calendar. I don't even have to look at the specifics of what's in my calendar to know whether or not I can have a management meeting or whether or not I can have those things because the colors stand out. If there's too much red, too much orange, too much yellow, I'm not gonna put any additional orange. I'm not gonna put any additional red. I'm gonna fill those with green. And then the last piece that, that I made a huge mistake with at the very beginning is it was red and then immediately after it was green and immediately after it was orange, there was no white space. Um, unfortunately, like Brendan had mentioned, we've got to be able to juke and jive sometimes, so you've got to leave space in there that's white. You've got to leave time to be able to handle things that come up as they do. So that has really helped me keep on track, um, keep focused. Um, the, I do have one other, it's a slightly different shade of green, which is my growth. So I do have a growth thing where, you know, I'll time block to work on my business. So. So that is a, a, a very, very intricate and, and beautiful way to kind of talk about productivity, right? It's as simple as Richard's boxes unchecked yesterday, that if you can look at your, your plan, you can look at your schedule, and you know that the colors stand for something, and you can uh, begin to see which ones might be coming marginalized, or if there's a bigger population of red or or, uh, or yellow um, and not enough green. How has this helped you manage LOs and how have the LOs responded in modeling you? You know, it, it, it's really made it so that they understand what the power of staying focused is. Um, because if they're not doing the same thing and they're not making the time blocks, having those things set up, then they're not accomplishing what we're out to do. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, William Penn said um, that time is the thing that we want most, but we use the worst. Um, and so really bringing that to the forefront to really get hyper-focused on 
not getting stuck in the weeds. We talked about watering the weeds. Most loan officers not only are stuck in the weeds, but they've got the hose out and they're watering them. And the, and the weeds are getting so high that they can't see out and they're not making the phone calls. They're not staying connected with their realtor partners. They're not doing the activities and then they're flatlining or they're, or they're even declining because they don't have that focus on really what's most important. It's, yeah. it's time <clears throat> is the one equalizer that we all have. Everybody in this room only has 24 hours in a day. How you choose to use it is what makes the biggest difference. So one other thing that you said, and, um, and I loved it, and I wanted you to just comment briefly on it. It's a little bit kind of what Brandon, I think, has alluded to as well. But what is connect time, and how does that really help you in your personal business? You know, I stay super connected with not only my realtor partners, um, I, I'm friends with them, um, and, and maybe not going out and, and having dinner with them, but I know what's happening in their life, more so even with my, my loan officers. Um, I probably have more in-depth, detailed conversation about them personally, um, and really, really stay connected to what's happening in their life, um, which helps me stay grounded in what I do. Um, and really helps me do everything in my power to help them succeed. Um, I am truly vested in everybody's growth. And not everybody is about dollars. As, as you guys can tell, my family is super important to me. Thankfully, being a part of Elite has helped my dollars to grow, which has allowed me more family time. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that we've got to find that balance. And helping my loan officer stay connected in life has really helped them then stay connected in their business as well. They understand that it's okay to have a finite line in the sand where they're not gonna cross over that, so. So I, I think the, the high level lesson here is that you, um, <clears throat> you're in charge and you control your productivity. And every comment up here has, has had as its backbone a level of proactivity. I mean, everything you guys have laid out and everything you guys have shared involves taking a forward step. It involves deciding in advance what you actually want and what you're looking for. And uh, once that decision is made, it is managing that. You have your calendar mapped out for 2017 and into 18. You guys are both proactive. You have a standard that you're not gonna sit down and meet with anybody until they comply. This has been a wonderful, wonderful panel. So guys, I really appreciate you being here today and uh, thank you for being our last panel at Sales Mastery. And let's give them a big round of applause.